We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to talk about Kendrick Nunn. I've spent the last week, two weeks or so, getting kind of a generalized understanding of each player that we've brought in, watching tape. And so I just want to read off a little bit of a my little chicken scratch scouting report for you guys that I want you to take in whatever direction that you like within the context of the Lakers team. So none, the most impressive impressive part of his game is he's a really versatile scorer. He's a three level type of guy. He's really clever finisher around the rim, left-handed player, but makes like 75 of his shot, 75% of his shots around the rim. And he's got all of these, these finishes where it's like, right-handed off of his right leg contorting away from the defense has a great variety of ways that he can finish around the rim for any type of player left-handed or or right-handed but his left-handedness is as you you and I both know Darius can be advantageous in terms of uh gaining advantage on the basketball court there's a certain unorthodoxy to his game but he's also a very good pull-up jump shooter from the elbow so he'll be very effective against drop coverages really high-end transition scorer and can shoot the three ball. I don't trust it in the playoffs. I think he's one of those guys that he shot 40% last year from from three, but I don't think his jumper translates cleanly to the playoffs, which we can get into more. Not going to make a ton of passing reads, uh, but has a versatility to his offense as a scorer that is really beneficial and different than he's he's along the lines of a Jordan Clarkson or Lou Williams in terms of he's not a star or a superstar type of player, but has a variety to his offensive game. I think he really fits with us on the offensive end in transition. Vogel brought up wanting to play that type of style. So let's start on the offensive end. Uh, That's what I see from Kendrick Nunn is a guy who is an off ball combo guard type of player that is someone who can add a 
a degree of versatility offensively that we haven't haven't had in in a couple of years. Curious, whoever you guys, uh, whichever one of you guys want to start, what do you what are your thoughts on Kendrick Nunn? Yeah, I I'll start on offense too, and I really enjoy his offensive package. There's a part of him that just makes me think of Chicago and a guy that was never huge. And so he's playing in pickup games in like high level pickup games that and he's got to find ways to score. And he's that's that's the stuff that he's finished uh, that he's figured out, Pete, around the rim that you're referring to, where like I'm in there. There's a bunch of trees, you know, when when, when, I, when I'm 12 or whatever. And uh-huh. how do I how do I get this shot off? So he's got a lot of that stuff. And I, I just always enjoy that. That's part of the beautiful stuff in basketball that I like to watch. And it's it's the English. Uh, it's the up and under around the rim. It's the it's the finishing high off the glass. It's the you know, it's the finger rolls as he's got all that stuff. And then he's continued to develop on the perimeter where he's yeah he's not Duncan Robinson from the heat in a whole different context. But he's I feel pretty confident when the ball goes up out of his hands. And I remember thinking that way when he was playing in the finals against the Lakers and he had some double digit scoring games in the finals where like that, the shot just looked nice. It just looked kind of fresh coming out and you had to live with it, whether it was going to go in or not. So for me, offensively, I do like how, since he's not going to be the focus at all, or even close to the focus. um, I like that in the way that I thought about shooter potentially having a chance to be last year, at kind of weak side, you know, attack and close out, except that he's a much better shooter and he's much craftier around the rim. And, and I think he's just a better scorer in that context. He doesn't have the, the burst that shooter has, but he's got more craft and more scoring ability. So that part of it is enticing to me. Now, Darius, give me your, your none stuff quick, and then I'm sure we'll get back into the defensive side of, of the court. I mean, none is just a solid scoring guard. I, f- I feel like these guys are super useful on every NBA team. And there's a reason why most NBA teams have a version of this type of a guy who is going to come in and, and help you. What intrigues me most about none, I think is that he is a point guard. Who's not really a point guard in that he is point guard sized. And, but he doesn't do a lot of offensive initiation. That really hasn't been his role with the heat. Um, and and to this stage of his career don't get me wrong he gets a lot of on-ball reps right and and he got a lot of those as a second unit player but a lot of those were in exploration of finding his his own offense and the heat's sort of democratic approach to offense where a lot of their guards and wings are off-ball workers because they play through their bigs a lot I think is going to be advantageous to none with the Lakers right in that he can there are already sets I feel like Pete that the Lakers have in their playbook that none is going to be able to run fairly usefully right like that that double wide pin down into the handoff from the Lakers like horns action. Like he's going to be good at that. He does. He ran a ton of handoff actions with bam and, and all of those Miami bigs. Right. Um, And I feel like there's going to be secondary side pick and roll actions that he's already, these are already sets that he's very good at running. Like, there's delay stuff that the Lakers run through their bigs and they've done it a lot with Marcus Gasol, right? Where Mark is the trail man as, 
as the big and the ball reverses through will will through him and then the the two wings that are on the left-hand side will do an exchange and then one will come up and then Mark will look for him. If that guy is not there, then there's another wing that's on the right-hand side of the floor and that guy comes up. And Mark had a ton of success running this action with LeBron in that spot and with Schroeder in that spot because those guys would come up like they were going to get the ball and then they would back cut and then mark would throw that beautiful backdoor bounce pass and those guys will get layups well none can run that for sure but what none can also do is if mark instead of being a stationary player at the top of the key turns that into a dribble handoff none that's a very natural action that none ran a ton with with the heat and so there is a lot of off ball stuff that none is accustomed to doing um that i think bringing that to to the lakers is going to be a very natural fit for him because of the ways that the lakers use their perimeter guys under vogel as scoring threats um None's got a lot of all of those different pieces in his game already. And, and I think he's going to be effective at that. That also plays to the amount of attention that LeBron and AD and Russ should be drawing. I think that's one of the questions we should be asking ourselves about all of our role guys is how do they capitalize on attention? Some guys stand there and hit an open shot. You'll be able to do that uh, at, at a really high level. The actions that you were describing with none are a little bit different. And I think the offensive role that he takes over in terms of the sets and the types of plays that are run for him is similar to KCP. Yeah. His handedness is different. Him being a left-handed player means that you want to start him in the right corner. KCP being a right-handed guy, you want him in the left corner because all of the movement is going to be going to the strong hand. Now, none again is is credible, a credible threat on both sides of the floor. But if you're going to run those stagger screens or those actions, he's going to start in the corner. He's a better ball handler, much better ball handler than KCP. Uh can hit that that pull-up jumper, but it's not the the he has to set up his jumper mechanics to be comfortable. This is part of the reason why I'm skeptical about his shooting in the playoffs is he's not a very big player and he's got a kind of a low release point that it's not it doesn't take him as long as Schroeder, for example. Schroeder has a very slow gather and, and deliver. He's a more natural scorer and jump shooter than Schroeder is, but there's a certain degree of you don't have those opportunities as much in the playoffs, but he has his abilities as a ball handler and his abilities to finish around the basket become very important at that point too. So I have a theory that we're going to be very difficult to beat when Kendrick Nunn has a really good game. And I, I, I think part of that is his style of play. He's a guard, Mike. He's somebody who's small and quick and has handles. So many of the other elements of our team are built around power. That really is in his game. Yeah. And this is, I want to get back to one of our favorite terms of slotting and thinking about what he was doing in Miami on the offensive side of the court, where he was sometimes the second best offensive player on the court, and or at least the one that was second most likely to have the ball um, after Jimmy Butler, especially in the times that Dragic wasn't on the court. And with this group, and if we're talking about him being on the court in high leverage moments, which is going to be with LeBron, with AD, and then often with Russ, that's that's the part of it to me that I'm curious about. And like how many guys are going to have that are going to be fourth on the on the depth chart 
like with his set of skills are going to be fourth, maybe on Brooklyn. But other than that, how many guys are going to have that little initial attention from the defense? And that I think can you can just the way that that translates sometimes is with shooting percentages or just opportunities and different. So maybe the volume goes down some, but maybe his efficiency can go up uh, for those type of things. And maybe Pete, then he has that extra second or two to get that shot up on the perimeter, right? In, in the way that Rondo did or in the way that Schroeder did. Well, and he's a better scorer than those guys. He doesn't need as much time. He's a very natural scorer. He's going to knock down shots that are open and, and good shots. So in that respect, he's a, a tier above, in my opinion, Darius, The those types of guards. Now, do you think the playmaking aspect is covered up by we've got so many more of those other guys that, like you said, he's not a point guard, even though he's point guard sized. I would argue that the surrounding playmaking talent makes that less important and his ability to run the floor and score in a variety of different ways. He's a guy that I think will thrive alongside the stars. I think that when you're not a natural playmaker, you still need to be able to make some plays. And what it comes down to is what are the asks and what are the reads, right? Danny Green had to make some plays for for teammates right a lot of them were off of spot up kick out to him close out his bearing down all right my read is shoot if i'm open and if i'm not open drive that close out and when you're driving the close out i've got basically two reads i'm reading the lob slash like shovel whatever yeah dump off to the big or i'm spraying opposite because the help is sagged right or his read is 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 shoot the floater and danny green would shoot the flow floater too but that's it you have three reads on on offense no one's putting danny green in a pick and roll and say okay we'll read the tag throw the skip nope you're throwing the lob nope same side kick out corner right like those aren't the reads that you're going to ask none to make, I don't think. Because if you ask him repeatedly to make those reads, he's going to read shoot almost every single time because his instinct is is that. That's why I much prefer a player like none and none specifically in second side actions because second side actions are are almost always going to be empty corner actions, right? Where... If he's in a handoff situation or a or a side pick pick and roll action where especially on the right side of the court where he's going middle, it's either you're shooting the pull up or you're hitting the big because the big is rolling hard. Right. And that's it. That's your read. And, and so I think none is capable of making that sort of read. Right. And I think he's he's capable of making that read that I just said that Danny Green has to make right although none as a much more gifted and natural off the dribble scorer is going to skew shot more in that situation but he can make the simple reads what i'm not saying is like yeah kendrick nunn he's your backup point guard and he's gonna run your offense because i don't think that's his game i think also the distinction between a nun and a danny green is that when danny green is attacking that type of closeout Guys are going to stay more home yeah. on that dump off pass and be like, oh, we're going to force you to finish over the top at the rim or be a shot maker on not a spot up three point shot with your feet set. And if Danny Green makes that shot, you're fine with that. 
if you give those looks to Kendrick Nunn, he's going to kill you on that. And so you have to commit to a Kendrick Nunn that's attacking the basket in ways that that opens up the dump off pass. And if that weak side help comes and takes away the dump off pass, then that somebody's going to be open is the is the the crux of it. If someone hasn't watched Nunn a lot, the way that we're describe, describing him sounds like he's an interesting in-between player of like Avery Bradley in and KCP. Is that sort of offensively, I mean? No, he's got more. He's he's a better scorer. Like he's a he's a high level scorer. I think. Hold on. I got. Let me pull up this his stats real quick. So just to give you some context on that, he was a, a 60 true shooting percentage guy on a team where, mm. like you guys were saying earlier, he had more offensive responsibility. Mike was talking about slotting. He was oftentimes the, the second best offensive player on the floor and was scoring 14, 15 points a game at a 60 true shooting percentage where that's a, a level of volume that a KCP or an Avery Bradley are not capable of. And how he gets there is he's a, a better ball handler. Now, Avery Bradley was a better dribbler than, than KCP, but he's none is a better ball handler than both of them. I think Schroeder. So if I were to, I'd say Schroeder is the best dribbler of the bunch, then none, then Bradley, then KCP, if I were ranking their ball handling ability, but none is a much more, sophisticated and varied shot maker he's got he can make all these types of looks to where i think it's more consistent with gosh who who would be an example because like even a jordan clarkson or lou williams they don't have that finishing versatility around the rim although they're better on the perimeter so they're better jump shooters than a nun but none can really get to the basket that's why when vogel talks about our abilities in transition none can i'm i can't wait to talk about none with you guys throughout the course of this season because he's capable of of you know catching it across his body and just like that little awkward finish that most guys will miss long or short or or left or right these kind of contorting almost like rookie year type coups shots, but in, in higher leverage situations that I, I just think we're talking a completely different tier of offensive player. We'll get into his defense in the second segment. And just to add to the offense though, he's also that player that just go get us a bucket type player. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's, I think the difference between Avery Bradley wasn't going to go get you a bucket. You know, neither was KCP. Those guys could do something on the weak side. They could get to the rim quickly or they could pull up. But, you know, none is just a whether it's in a half court set where he's the has the initial action. He, and that's that. I think the point is that's where you get the three level score aspect of this, where if you don't come out, pop a three. Um, if, if he has to do a step back over a big in the mid range, he's got that. If, if he's if you put a bigger defender on him, he can go for the blow by and then finish through traffic. So that's the part of his game, I think, that is most appealing where he's just going to find a way to score. And he always has at every level of his career. He's one of those guys, Darius, where his jumper will come and go. That will determine the quality of his offensive game. But he's still going to be a threat when his jumper's not there. When it is there, he's a really fantastic, well-rounded guy. So that'll be a lot of what determines him on the offensive end. Yeah, and I know we're going to talk defense the second half of the pod, but I'll also be very interested to sort of get into it more about like lineups and who we envision him being used with and playing best next to right because as we talked about in the last pod the lakers skewed offense a fair amount in their offseason and we've barely mentioned the name carmelo anthony for example and carmelo's another interesting offensive Mm -hmm. weapon a guy who his volume of attempts is very likely to go down on this version of 
well, 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 of the Lakers, but he's also a guy who is probably going to find himself open a fair amount and his shot quality is going to go way up in a lot of situations. And I could envision the same being true for none it, with the right personnel groupings around him. And, and, and so none to me ultimately is a very intriguing offensive player who the Lakers got at excellent value for his contract. And is a guy who I'm hopeful can play next to any of the other Lakers ball handlers. And I envision him probably being used with LeBron a fair amount more than him being used with Russ because none is that other type of guy who can be a secondary ball handler to him in the way that like Alex could or that Rondo could to to a certain extent. But when Bron decides, yeah, give, give me my reps back. Right. That none will be fine and still yes. be able to thrive as as a secondary shot creator and off ball worker. And that's uh that makes him a really intriguing fit offensively for this Lakers team. So in terms of lineups before we go to break, I'm again increasingly on the AD starting at the five train. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I have my my suspicions. And if he does, I think that none goes into the starting lineup. And part of that is his defensive role and how he fits within the bigger picture on that end of the court. So let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about Kendrick Nunn on the defensive end. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So again, I'm in the beginnings of my watching tape on each of these guys. And we've got so many new guys that I'm only at a certain level of depth of my understanding of their games. But my, my chicken scratch scouting report on the defensive end is he's, he's a guy that is okay to even a little above average at the elements of the game in which speed and quickness need to win that particular battle in that basketball action. And that if you ask him to win physical battles of strength, he's going to lose those. That's even just by looking at him, by his you know, physical composition, that's fairly obvious. 
but he does have defensive value. He reminds me defensively a little bit of Dennis Schroeder in that he's quick and he's wiry. He can chase guys off of screens. He's okay at navigating over the top. He's not going to put a ton of back pressure at the end of a pick and roll, but in his defensive value, he doesn't match what I think this team's going to be best at, which is switching and that ability to be big across the board. And so I think that when you asked earlier, Darius, about the lineups that he plays with, I've got my 80th starting at the 5-1 in which it's Nunn and Bazemore and LeBron and, and uh, AD and who am Russ. I and Russ, of course. Then... I also see envision him alongside LeBron starting the second quarter where it's Dwight at the five and you're not switching. You're not, uh, you're in a drop coverage. You're in those more convention conventional type of coverages. So that's something that Mike, I'm, I'm curious when I look at new guys that come in to the team, it's always that, what can you do? How do we put you in situations to do what you do best? And that's how I look at him is we don't have a lot of in the way of those small wiry guards. We're much more of a power guard type of setup now with Russ, with THT probably playing a more formidable role. None enters that same space that a KCP or a Dennis Schroeder that those guys can played. And so I think he's important in that whole story of we have to play enough defense. I think that none is a guy that he will play an important role in being able to fill that. And if he's able to, we're going to be that much harder to beat. Yeah, looking at none on the defensive side of the court the last couple of years was a little bit tricky. And, and Miami is the team that gets the bubble tax benefit of the doubt, just like the Lakers, where they just didn't look like themselves for a lot of last year. And therefore, I have, I'm not drawing that many conclusions from, so Kendrick Nunn had a, a really poor defensive rating last year. But a lot of times, the guys that he was playing with weren't very good on that end either. And there was almost no rim protection uh, behind him unless, like, sure, Bam provides a certain amount, but not really. They were almost always playing a small five or somebody like Kelly Olynyk, you know, uh, out there with him. And Butler missed a ton of games. It was just kind of a, a difficult thing to take from. And then even if you look at the playoffs a year before with none, so his defensive rating was more in the middle of the pack, but that was a smaller, that's just a smaller sample size of games. And he missed some due to health and safety protocols. So he only played 15 playoff games out of the 21. And I, so that then going back to the numbers, don't really tell you that much there. And then going back to the eye test and, and just watching a little bit and watching some clips on him, like he's, He's competitive, but he still is just small. And so he's the one, if you're thinking about that switching defense, that's the one where you were never worried about Caruso getting switched, who could at least sort of hold his ground. I know we've mentioned Caruso all the time, and we probably always will. And even KCP. So KCP is not big or physically strong either, but he's at least got a couple of inches, you know, on none in that context. And that's where I think about him the most is that defensive awareness is part of it, but more just physically. He's just, and he's not... Like he's not tiny, but he's not somebody that's going to be like the Danny Green or the Caruso or that physical defender or even and even Schroeder. Schroeder kind of could hold up better than people think um, on that end. So that's where I have my initial concerns about how none can fit on that side of the court. I'm interested in going down this lane a little bit more with you, Pete, about none potentially as a starter. Okay. And how he fits defensively in a starting group where he's basically in the backcourt with Russ. None isn't a versatile defender. He guards right. one position. Yes. That position is basically point guard. 
right? Now, on any given possession, you have to guard more than one one position. You get cross-matched in some way, shape, or form. You end up having to switch, right, because you got nailed by a screen. Maybe you get scrammed out of a matchup, or the ball swings, and you're Xing out. And so now you're not on your guy anymore. You're on some someone else. Everyone has to do that, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, hey, this is the guy you got. And a lot of times, for none, that's going to be the point guard. And you've talked a lot, and I agree with this, and I've talked about this too, is that Russ is best used as a point of attack defensive player rather than a guy who is put off of the ball. And so how do you, how do you square that when Nunn and Russ are basically best used defending the same guy on the court? Sure. So... For one, I, uh, as I've said many times, I, re- I reserve the right to change my mind on a sure. lot of things. Yeah, I've yeah, watched yeah. a little more West- Westbrook tape. Westbrook's interesting defensively, and I think we're going to have a whole pod on his defense. But he reminds me a little bit of Rondo defensively. One of the fun parts about watching tape is that maybe 50 or 60% of your uh, presuppositions about players, even that have been around for a long time, that have played in big games like a Russell Westbrook, there's still this 30, 40, even 50% of them where it's like, oh, I didn't realize about that about them. Russ reminds me of Rondo defensively in that he's usually in the correct position when he's off of the ball. Now, oftentimes he is just standing there. His level of defensive engagement is generally very low, similar to Rondo. But he knows that if I am in this spot, I am mitigating the damage that I'm doing by just standing there on this position. He is in the right spot, which is a big part of, of playing defense. Russ's defensive rebounding is also important within the scope of our transition game. And so I am skewing more toward Russ defending off of the ball. Now, there are certain, for example, I I watched the playoff series against Philadelphia, the one that they lost this season. Well, he's going to be on Ben Simmons because his defensive instincts, what he's actually best at is being a free safety, is when he is engaged, which is something that, again, this is... We talked in the last pod of, do we have enough defenses? Well, how much do you care? How engaged are you? How, that's going to be something that maybe not over the course of 82, but over the course of the last five minutes of a close game. I do think that because Russ is strong, he is quick, he is a, an excellent athlete. I think that that folds well into what none is good at and what none is not good at on the defensive end. None will lose physical battles. Westbrook will win physical battles. None is a guy who can chase over the top of screens in ways that Russ, between his technique and just his general build, is not as wiry and agile to navigate like water over the top of a screen in a way that none at his size is more capable of. Again, we're talking about playing enough defense, not necessarily elite chaser defense or point of attack type of defense. But I think that To answer your question, Russ's defensive rebounding and and playing off of the ball and understanding of where to be is something that it's the weaker part of his game. And I think that switching is something that he'll be better at, but I don't think none's going to be on the floor when we switch. So that's why if we're in a drop coverage, like it, is it without flaws and without potential concerns? Of course not. But I think that having a power guard versus a quicker guard is something that that defensive roles, you can you can match enough of your opponents to be able to do that. Yeah, and I think that as it plays out, we'll see more. 
and we'll see what works and what doesn't, right? Like in theory, a bunch of stuff can work and then in practice it doesn't. That's right. And that's just how it goes. Um, the thing about none defensively that I do not have the answers to, but I'll be very interested to see is how quickly does he adapt to the rotation heavy act like parts of what Vogel often asks of his guards defensively, right? There is a comfort. There is a lot of, are you comfortable in the chaos? idea I love that, I love that, that exists for the Lakers in general, but it's especially true of their guards and players who have to make long rotations from maybe like one side of the paint to the other, to the other side of the court above the arc, right? There are Lakers wings and guards have to make that rotation a fair amount. And and that means you have to get to that part of the paint initially, too. So that's also a rotation. It is like you talked about Russ being in the right spot of the court. Like, yeah, a lot of that's a rotation, too. You have to sag and dip and dig appropriately. And then if the ball gets out of there because maybe the Lakers are trapping, where are you going? Right. And there is there is, the Lakers over time. And maybe this is luck, maybe it's smarts, maybe it's a combination of both, but they have happened on to a bunch of guards who are comfortable in the chaos. They will, they're like, oh, I'm running here, I'm running there, I'm cool. Like a guy who became that to me, who I didn't think was ever going to be that was like Kyle Kuzma. He was like someone who at first I was just like, oh, is Kuz going to know where he's going to the point where it was last year towards the end of the season. And I'm just like, Kuz is pretty much making the right read all of the time. And if Kuz and someone else are in the same place making a rotation, I'm almost always blaming the other guy because Kuz knew what he was doing, the X out principles and everything. And so for none, I feel like, are you going to be able to understand this is where I need to go, right? It's one thing to be in the right place. Do you know where to go after when, when it's time to move again? And, and I don't have the answer to that, but a big part of your defensive effectiveness on the Lakers as a guard, especially a smaller guard, is getting from point A to point B and then to C to D to E to F and then back to A again. And can he do do those things? And I don't know if he can or not, but if he can, he's going to be on the court a lot more defensively than what we might think about he is right now. The point I would return to in that context is back to Westbrook, even though it's related in part to none. And just the amount of whether it's like to what Pete was talking about, where he's in the right spot, but he isn't necessarily fully engaged. How much of that is because all of the rest of the of what's on his mind about what he has to do on the court. And if that that burden has to shift here more so than any place else in his career, simply because of LeBron's presence and, and take Anthony Davis out of it, because Davis is still going to be a, at least most of the time a secondary player on that end, a devastating one, but a finisher. So if if Russ doesn't have to devote so much of his game to being the guy that is creating all of the offense, then shouldn't he by nature, even if it's 10% more that he has for the, for the defensive side of the court and then chip in another 5% 
because of what LeBron rubs off on him in the film room and just sort of the respect that he has for LeBron. Maybe that's more than 5%. Maybe that's another 10%. So if I can get what with Russ's tools, with his physical tools, if I can get 20% more engagement from him defensively, then I'm home. You know, then I'm pretty happy. And that's that that then lessens what Nunn's burden is on the defensive side of the court, which if Russ is not engaged, then you then you're going to have some trouble. If you have another guy on the perimeter that you're asking to do a little bit more than what we've seen of in the past. And the biggest reason for that is that none is not capable of winning some of the defensive battles that Westbrook is capable of winning just by their their physical construction. Right. And their athletic abilities. It's interesting watching tape on other teams and realizing how far our dial was turned toward defense. Not only have we signed so many guys, we were rumored to sign a lot of people that we couldn't necessarily talk about on here, but I was like, Oh, this guy's in a trade rumor. Let me go watch some tape on it. Can this, can this shooter play enough defense for us? And watching all these different teams around the league between the guys that we did acquire and the guys that we did not, it was very stark of the difference, the, uh, of the environment. It's, when you watch a player, you have to watch them in the context of their team. And in going from one team to another, there's only so much, there's only a certain degree of depth that you can get into. It's the people that watch a team on a daily basis that can really go deep. But if, when I'm watching Westbrook on the Wizards, for example, defensively, and he's not playing particularly hard on defense, I'm watching him within an environment and context where nobody is. It's not the personality of their team. They were trying to win games 130 to 125. And you know what? They made the playoffs unexpectedly doing that. Same, same with Houston. Yeah. Well, and yeah. that was what I was going to compare. And I want to go back and watch this tape. But I was actually impressed with Westbrook defensively on Houston because his role was so different. They were so small that he was a guy that was really responsible for providing a lot of that power. And one of the things they were unexpectedly pretty good at until you get James Harden defending Anthony Davis is not letting the size advantages. We weren't the only team that had a size advantage over that Houston team, but they were actually pretty good at defending bigger teams yeah. in part because they were uh, they swarmed in Westbrook or, or winning their own matchup or at least standing up, right? Stand. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. You got a couple fire hydrants out there in Westbrook and and Tucker, and the ability to swarm. That's something that, as the free safety, Russ is going to lose some battles or overhelp and cheat too far in one direction and then it's a skip pass to his man and that's going to be an open three there are downsides to playing that aggressive free safety style the upsides of that are forcing turnovers which will get us out into transition and that creates more plays where athleticism will, will win the day and so defensively Westbrook was part of that Darius with the Houston Rockets and I want, want to go back to get a deeper look on it but defensively when Russ is flying around which he's capable of he doesn't always do that is going to be the best version of him defensively I think he's capable of providing a certain degree of power that in the context of a Kendrick Nunn Nunn is not capable of so when you are asking Nunn to win those battles because Westbrook is not doing that it's a losing proposition but I think that just stylistically the best versions of each player are complementary well this goes back to the idea of tell me what you can do versus exactly like, we know there are things you can't do and can we build out lineups and cater within the larger context of our defensive scheme to help facilitate the things that you can do while 
dimming the exposure on the things that you can't do, right? And the Lakers, we think, and we've been discussing this a lot, have very purposefully gone back to this idea of bigger, stronger, faster, right? And so they do not have a traditional power forward, really, on this team. LeBron and AD are probably the closest thing. But then after that, it's just like, oh, your next forward is like Carmelo and Ariza and Bazemore is a bit of a 2-3, right? I, I would almost argue that we did that to a crazy extent, the bigger, stronger, faster with our stars. But in our role players, we added more skill rather than like – even at this point, an, an Ariza is not going to overwhelm you athletically, nor is Bazemore. They're good athletes for their age and for even their position. There's size there, which is I think is part of the reason why we'll be a good switching team is because we are big, if nothing else. But in some ways, I, I feel like we've turned away from that. Not to contradict your point, it just I, that's something that stood out to me. No, but it's that size element that I think is super important here. Right. Oh, okay. Because within the context of their positions, none in Ellington are probably the only dudes on the on this entire roster currently that are, quote unquote, average to undersized for as as like NBA players within the context of their position. Right. And so everyone else like, OK, well, Kent Bazemore is maybe a shooting guard. OK. Ariza is like a three, four. Melo's a 3-4, LeBron's a 3-4, right? AD's a 4-5, and then you've got Dwight and Mark, and those dudes are traditional fives. Like All of those guys across those relative positions are about the size that you'd want, right? Ariza's a, probably the only guy that's like, okay, well, you're 6-7, but he's sort of filled out a little bit from the Ariza that, that we knew. So if you can throw out a bunch of size at other positions who will maybe – and length who will threaten defensively from the context of, okay, well, we can maybe threaten passing lanes or we can stand up in the post against a bigger dude, or we can hold our own in a weak side rotation and go to the backboards. I think the Lakers have a lot of those, those types of guys, whether or not they're committed to do it, we'll see, but I think they have a lot of those, those guys. So in getting back to none, if you're telling none, do, do a and B defensively if you can do a and b defensively then you're good for us right you don't have to switch you don't have right and if there's enough defensive versatility around him as well you and smarts i think is important too they can scram him out of certain defensive matchups if it comes down to that and so a lot of the lakers success defensively is not only because they've had high end talent but they've they've had really smart players out there and so and they've had guys who have wanted to perform defensively and if they can keep those last two things smart and want to i think some of the limitations that you might have physically in a guy like ellington or a guy like none maybe those can be papered over a little bit more that's the optimistic side there's a pessimistic side to to this as well and on any given night we may see either or of of both sides of that coin but I think none as a defensive guy, I'm hopeful for him, mostly off of lineup composition and want to compete more so than like the physical tools stuff. But um, I don't know. We're going to have to see with this. None is someone, if nothing else, he competes on defense. That's something that really stood out from watching him on tape. He's He's got something to work with. Like you said, what can you do rather than what can't you do? So 
this has been fun. I'm really looking forward to learning more about him. I think ultimately he's a guy, like I said a couple of times, that when he plays well, we're going to be extremely difficult to beat. So uh, looking forward to learning more about his game. Tomorrow we're going to get into another lefty in Kent Bazemore, who I think is another versatile – he's the versatile defender version of the versatile offensive player that none is. So looking forward to getting into, into his game tomorrow on the next episode of the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires again. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Brian. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.